0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. Well, good evening, everyone. Great to see you tonight. I want to thank Pastor Gary for filling in for me last week. I hear great things, and it's, it's great for me to be able to take a vacation and not worry about what's going on because I've got a good team. So we're coming to the end of our series in the book of Galatians, Stand Firm in Your Freedom. When we started this, I had no idea of what would happen in the world, a great loss of freedoms all over the world. So it's important for us to stand for freedom in the world, but also in, especially spiritually. Um, We can be in spiritual bondage. We can be in bondage to our emotions as well. And the Lord wants us to be free. That's the reason Jesus came was so people could be free. God does not want us under this kind of bondage. I mean, think of just the Bible history. God has always tried to deliver his people. The Israelites were under oppression by the Egyptians. God set them free, wanted to give them a promised land. God always wants to set his people free. He is constantly delivering people from bondage. So we've been talking about, am I, am I my brother's keeper? The famous words of Cain to God after he had killed his brother Abel. God asked Cain, where's your brother? How many know God already knew where Abel was and what had happened? But he wanted Cain to confess it. And so that is a question we have. How far do we go and how far are we responsible for each other? There is, we are the family of God. And we uh, should act like family, love each other like family. Sometimes we fight like family, but that's not the best way. But the Lord wants us to know that we, we have a certain responsibility to one another, but there are limits to that because people can take advantage of that unnecessarily, and that's not good for them either. So we don't want to be enablers of people. We want to be, again, help people with their burdens so they can be free. So Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 6, let's read that again to acquaint ourselves with our text. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Verse 5, for each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. So let's break it down for the sake of review. Roman numeral 1, our responsibility to others. First of all, capital letter A, that involves confrontation. Uh, if our brother's in sin, there's a, there's a response, we have a responsibility to go in love privately to our brother, Matthew 18. If your brother sins, go to him privately. And so there, there is accountability. And the, if, if we will keep each other accountable to the truth in a loving way, then that's as far as it needs to go. But if it, if it uh, is not resolved at that point, God gives us examples of what to do next. So we are responsible to, to keep each other accountable in serving the Lord. Letter B, we're also responsible to bring restoration. That's the goal of accountability. That's the goal. of We, we bring confrontation so people can be restored, not so they can be destroyed or removed. It, it's always our heart, whenever we have to address an issue, that how, God, how can you redeem this? How can you turn this around? There will be conflict in the kingdom of God until we get to heaven, because we're still human and we're still battle the sinful nature. But the goal of that is to bring peace and to bring that peace, there has to be loving, confrontation with the goal of restoration in mind, if it's possible. And then let her see another responsibility we have to one another is care. We are to bear one another's burdens. We're going to talk about that. A little bit more because there's a limit to that as well so we're responsible to confront in love we're responsible to bring people to repentance and restoration and then we are responsible to care and you know especially for baby christians isn't that the truth now i spent most of last week just hugging on grandbabies the grand twins oh this this is one of the best vacations i ever had i just you know, I, I I fed the babies. I didn't change diapers. That's not God my calling. Uh, and Jolene says I didn't change many diapers when the kids were like I'm sure I did. I, I'm sure I was equal opportunity there, but as a grandpa, I shouldn't have to do that. Amen? I mean that's not in the job description. So I'll feed them. I'm really good at burping them. Yeah, I've, I've got some skills there. But I would just I would hold these babies. And I'm telling you what, when your grandchild smiles at you, it is the greatest experience of your life. I mean, there's there's nothing like that smile. It just, it makes my day. And and to smell their, their neck, I mean, it's just, unless they've spit up recently, then it doesn't smell so good. But otherwise, and it's like, it's like crack cocaine. I mean, you can't get enough of it. It's just... Something about, you know, being a grandparent. But I, I was constantly struck how these babies are totally dependent on someone else. Abs- they can't feed themselves. Our, our granddaughter rolled over. She she beat her brother rolling over. But even in her rolling over, she couldn't get back over. And I it just, I kept thinking all this. They are absolutely dependent on it on the care of an adult. And do you know when a new believer comes to Christ, they're the same way. They need to be fed. They need to be changed, so to speak. They need to be cared for and protected. You know, they're, these babies are just a little blob. There's, there's no protection built in or anything. It's not like a horse where they're born and then stand up and boom, they're good to go. And so in, in the same way, especially new Christians we are to care for them and give them spiritual milk. The Bible says, and so, uh, especially these day and age, there was in the previous generations, people were raised with some understanding of God. They had read the Bible stories. They had gone to Sunday school. They knew David and Goliath. You know, this generation does not know David and Goliath. Does not? I mean, there's a lot of idioms we use. I was when I was working in the in the oil business, I was. I said the phrase, well, he, he, he um, strains gnats and swallows camels. And it was our HR director, and she said, where, where is that from? I said, uh, the Bible. <laughs> and just re- realized how many of our, our phrases, even in the English language, come from Scripture. And, and, and yet, new believers this day don't even have that frame of reference. They don't, they don't know about Noah and the ark. They don't know those stories. And so we got to teach them the basics of Christianity and so that they can grow and mature and then eat spiritual meat and grow and become a spiritual adult. Um, sometimes too many Christians stay a baby for too long, right? And you know what? If, if we always carry those babies, they'll never learn to walk. I was even trying to get them to walk a little bit, holding their little hands and see if they... I mean, that's what you do because they build up strength, they build up balance, and they build up strength from the top of the head to their feet. First, they learn to you know, c- control their eyes, and then they learn to keep their neck up. Both of them are bobbleheads right now, you know, just bobble, 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 bobble. And then they, they learn to sit up, and then they learn to crawl, and then they learn to walk. It's the same with every believer. And so... We need to care for the new believers. And that's we have a, a class called Launch here at the church for new people to the church and new Christians so that they can begin their discipleship journey. So, and, and if you lead someone to Christ, maybe it's a coworker, a family member, guess what? Now you have the responsibility to help them grow. To, you know, the best discipleship is one-on-one. Helping someone grow in their faith. And you know, if you've ever had that privilege of discipling someone, it's awesome. And, and, it's, and, and you have to bring guidance and correction just like any, any parent would. So that's our responsibility to others. We also have a responsibility to ourselves, Number two, Roman numeral two. Capital letter A, our responsibility is to humble ourselves. This is true in so many places in Scripture where we are called upon to humble ourselves before the Lord. And so we're not to think more highly of ourselves than others or be too proud to help others or be too proud to ask for help ourselves. And so if we think we are better than we are, the Bible says we're deceived. And so we always got to put ourselves in check. Okay, Lord, is there any pride? Because pride is insidious. It can worm its way into our life and into our heart if we're not on guard. And you know that was Satan's first sin was pride. And it's one of the strongest sins we face as well as Christians. And so we need to humble ourselves. The way we confront pride, the way you overcome pride, is to humble yourself. That will remove the pride from your life if we consider our, think of ourselves soberly as the Bible says. Not too high, of, not too less. And part of that process, capital letter B, is we are to test ourselves. So we're to humble ourselves, and then we're to take a test. How many love taking a test? Nobody loves taking a test. The Bible tells us more than once to test our heart. In fact, the psalmist said, Lord, test me and know me, see if there be any wicked way in me. So we're, we're to check our motives. Because how many know we may be doing the right thing with the wrong heart? And God cares about the heart more than the act. Now, he cares about the act, but it's got to come from the right heart. And so we're responsible to other people. We're responsible to ourselves to check our motives and test our heart. And let us see we are to support ourselves. Isn't that what you want your children to grow up and support themselves and not be dependent upon their parents. That's part of the process of raising up a responsible child is that they learn to be responsible for themselves. Otherwise, they're going to live with you forever, and they're going to take your money. And so part of this is we are to carry our own load. Remember when it said we're to bear each other's burdens? We're also, the balance is we're to carry our own load. This word means something small that is carried or to carry a child in the womb. And so we are all to carry our own backpack, our own load. But there are loads that are too heavy for us to bear alone, and that's where other believers come in. So in Scripture, it shows multiple times that, that we, you know, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. I mean, there, there's this responsibility to do our part. To have, to, to have our uh, responsibility in that. The difference between burden and load is one is too heavy and the other one is, is common. So we're not responsible to carry... A, here's the problem. Either we don't, we're trying to carry someone else's load God hasn't told us to carry, or we're trying to get other people to carry our load. And it requires discernment. How far do you go with Somebody. You know, if you're, you've tried to help them, you've tried to bring them to a place and then they don't respond. And it's just, we have to be led of the Holy Spirit. Am I, am I carrying this, too much of their load so they're not learning? If we keep trying to stop the consequences to our children, they'll never learn. And, and sometimes we have to step out of the way and say, well, I guess they're gonna have to learn this the hard way. Don't you hate it when you, you realize your kid's are going to have to learn it the hard way sometimes as they grow up. And uh, I'm waiting for that day when, you know, they'll get old enough, they'll, they'll really want Dad's opinion. So be, be in prayer with me. You know, we just want to prevent our children from making our mistakes. And that's all. We want to protect them from what we know the world will do. Uh, but sometimes if they won't do it, you got to let, let go you got to leave, not take that load from them. They've got to learn to carry their own load. All right. So this is where we left off. Roman numeral three. Now we have a responsibility to our leaders. Now this is a little awkward for me to teach this since I am your leader. But it is biblical, amen? So I'm going to teach it. But I'm not, I don't have an ax to grind. It's... It, you, you can tell I just followed the next scripture. Okay, so I'm, I'm not trying to set anybody up. But the first way we're to respond to our leaders, oh, and by the way, Pastor Gary is going to be speaking on Sunday night, starting this Sunday night, teaching his book chapter by chapter about kingdom honor. And he speaks a lot about this, how we're to respond to leadership, how we're to how we're to serve, how we're to grow. So I encourage you, come out Sunday night. We're still going to have worship. We're going to still have some prayer time. There's also going to be a teaching time on Sunday nights starting this Sunday. So make sure you're there. And so I'll be glad because Pastor Gary will teach it and I won't have to. I just can just sit there and say, amen, brother. So here we are, responsibility to our leaders. Capital letter A, we are to be receptive To our leaders, we are to receive them. Number one, we should be submissive and teachable to those God has placed in spiritual authority over us. Boy, this is not popular today. And a lot of people misunderstand submission. Submission is not necessarily obedience, blind obedience. Submission is an attitude. Obedience is really an action, and we've talked about the importance of obedience uh, for the last couple Sundays. Submission, you you can actually tell someone no and still have a submissive spirit, and that's important to understand. And so, when we are to submit to leaders, we're not to blindly obey them. I'm making that clear. There are guidelines. There are limits. And so we're to be submissive to those that God has placed in spiritual authority over us. God has set up the design in the kingdom of God. And when there... It, how many of you served in the military? Raise your hands, please. You know that the, mil, the American military works so well, it's so effective because people learn to follow orders. And if there's breakdown in the chain of command then it creates problems. But the reason our military is so strong and so powerful is because of the chain of command and that they're taught to follow orders. And so as a result, they're powerful. And in the kingdom of God, if we follow God's design, this is not my design. And when we talk about wives submitting to husbands, again, it's not blind obedience, And you don't submit to anything sinful or abusive. That's not what God is saying. We're not called to submit to abuse. And so, but at this, but at the same time, God has said, "Husbands, love your wives. Lay down your life for her." And so, God only tells the woman to be submissive, but He tells man, "You got to die, buddy." (laughs) It's actually a it's a harder responsibility if it's done biblically. But God has set up the kingdom. And when we follow God's design, how many know we're a powerful army? We're strong, and the enemy can't divide and conquer us. So let's look at these scriptures that speak on this Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Know this every leader needs to be accountable to someone. And ultimately, they will be accountable to God, right? I realize that someday I'm going to stand before God and give an account for how I pastored his church. That kind of keeps me awake at night. But we are, leaders are to be, will be held accountable in eternity, but they're also to be held accountable on earth. And so every leader, I don't care if, if you're the greatest Christian leader in the world, you need To be accountable to somebody you need a covering everybody needs a covering john bevere wrote a great book called undercover and it's the biblical principle of leadership and so pastors and evangelists and and men and women of god get into trouble when they are not accountable to anyone i'm accountable to this church i'm accountable to you I'm accountable to the church board. I'm accountable to our district office. And, you know, I need that covering because when we're accountable and when we're under the authority of the Lord, then God can bless us and he can do the great things with us. And so I don't believe spiritual leaders should be out on their own without any covering. They need a covering, whether it's a denomination, whether it's a board, whether it's a an advisory council. Uh, every every pastor, every leader needs to be submissive to someone else. And this is one thing that I've, I've, I've stressed before. You're not fit to lead until you've learned to follow. Too often, we want to skip that. We just want to be leaders. And I see that a lot in the, in, in the church today. And... People want to skip that step and jump right into leadership. But you're not ready to lead until you've you've practiced following somebody and being under someone's authority. And so the authority and the accountability protect us. And so you know I've I've shared with you before that um, we have a finance committee that overlooks the church finances. And, and make sure everything is integ- has integrous. We have an audit every year. I welcome those things. I want that covering. And I want that authority over me so that there is, there's no question. And there's no in, any impropriety. And so you know your leaders are going to give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to, uh, to you. Now, I will tell you, there have been times in the 36 years I've pastored where my work was not a joy because of this same principle. Uh, those that, it, It's amazing. You know how many times the Pharisees attacked the authority of Jesus Christ, God Almighty? They they constantly, by what authority do you heal people on the Sabbath? Like they were the the, the greater authority. So they kept challenging Jesus' authority. And the Apostle Paul, he was constantly challenged in his authority. He kept having to defend himself. So I, I encourage myself that way to realize, you know, James, when your authority is challenged and when people question you, you're not alone. It happened to Jesus, happened to Paul. But I will tell you that There have been times where my heart has been grieved and my work is not a joy. And the Lord says that we obey them so their work will be a joy. We support them. We strengthen them. Because, and this is the other thing, if we do, it brings a blessing to us. If we don't, it brings the disadvantage to us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-13. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you. Again, there's accountability where to work hard. Who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work and live in peace with each other. So we, get, we see those, again, we always balance Scripture with Scripture. We always interpret Scripture with Scripture. So again, it's about submitting to the authority Because they're going to be held accountable. And you can support your leaders and you can make their job easier or you can make it more difficult. And here's the thing those who are in leadership, God will hold accountable. And those who refuse to be under leadership, God will hold accountable. So it's both ways the leader and the follower are going to be held accountable by God. We each have a responsibility. And so number two, we should follow our leaders only as they follow Christ. This is not blind obedience. This is how the cults start. When there is a demand of blind obedience and that person is no longer following Christ. I shared with you before, I, in college, I wrote a research paper on the Jim Jones tragedy. And... It was amazing. He started out as a disciples of Christ minister. He was, at one time, fundamental. He, he was sound. But then he, it started going to his head. Guess what happened? He had no accountability. He had no one to tell him what to, to hold him in check. And so he went off the deep end, demanded blind obedience, led 1,000 people, 900 people to their deaths. And that's now, that's now how we get the idiom, don't drink the Kool-Aid. It was from. I believe it's from that event. They put poison in Kool-Aid and had them all drink the Kool-Aid, and so now that's an idiom of "don't drink the Kool-Aid." But what would amazed me when I did this research, my, the title of my research paper was the "Wool over the Sheep's Eyes," because the majority of the people that followed him had been Christians at one time. The cults prey not on those that have no religious knowledge but those who don't have enough they they they'll oh they'll talk your language and they'll use the same terms and that they're trained to use the same terms and this is why we have to be careful and so i'm here to tell you that if i try to lead you and that's not biblical or if i'm not following christ you have permission not to follow me <laughs> We should only follow our leaders as they follow Christ. And so the Lord brings that balance. Submit to your leaders, but don't go too far. Don't follow them blindly if they're not following Christ. Let's look at these scriptures. So many, so many exhortations to only follow as an example. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Notice the qualifier. Paul didn't say, follow my example, period. He said, follow my example, comma, as I follow the example of Christ. That is the qualifier. And that will keep leaders in check. But again, don't entertain an accusation against an elder without two or three witnesses, the Bible says. So you ha- we still have to follow the process. Philippians 4.9 nine. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Again, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Again, the qualifier. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13.7, Remember your leaders... Who spoke the Word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Again, I'm sure Pastor Gary will go into greater detail on some of these. So we're receptive. We receive our leaders, we submit to our leaders, we follow our leaders only as they follow Christ. Letter B, how are we to respond to our leaders? We're to be supportive. Number one. It is biblical that pastors should be paid for their work unto the Lord and are even worthy of a double honor. Did you know that's in the Bible? It is. It is biblical to pay your pastor, to, for a pastor to have an income from the ministry. Paul says, don't muzzle the ox. How's that for a comparison to me? I'm the, I'm the ox. But let's look at these scriptures so we know. 1 Corinthians nine fourteen. Uh, there was an old, when I first started in ministry, there was an old saying, because uh, sometimes pastors have really struggled. When we started out in ministry, we made $75 a week, and the drive was 60 miles one way. We lived in Costa Mesa. I was at Vanguard, and we worked out in a little town called Romaland. Anybody ever heard of Romaland? yes. It, it starts out as a junkyard and then it goes down from there. That's what you see right off the road. So that was my first ministry position. And I don't know if $75 a week even paid for the gas. But that's how I started out. And my pastor was in his in his late 60s. And I was given the youth group, which was anybody under 40. <laughs> so if you're under 40, you're still a youth. And so... That's how I cut my teeth, and I didn't even get a full-time salary until years, a couple years later. And, and so sometimes you, you start out humbly, and an old preacher used to say that what, what used to be said about pastors is, we'll keep them poor, and God will keep them humble. <laughs> I've heard that before. I mean, no, that's not biblical. The, Lord, the Bible says that they're worthy of a double honor. And so 1 Corinthians 9:14, "In the same way the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel." First Timothy 5:17: "The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of a double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And I want to tell you that this church has been so good to me, so faithful. I have no complaints board has has blessed me and we want to bless our pastors and our leaders you have blessed me you have blessed our pastors again as I said on Sunday I the the birthday cards meant so much to me and I just I feel honored and blessed and so I want you to know that I'm I'm happy I'm very content with what God has given me very content and very blessed and so, number two, those who receive ministry should support the ministry. And so that's why it's so important that we have a, our home church and that we tithe to our home church. Now, we can give missions offerings to our home church and, and other ministries as well, but how me know the tithe belongs in the church, the local church. And so that way we can do the work of ministry and, and send out those missionaries as well. And so I've always encouraged people, wherever you plug in as your home church, that's where you tithe. That's where you give your financial support. And I would rather have somebody give it to their church than give it to ours if they're not receiving ministry from our church. If they're receiving ministry from another place, we should support the local church. Are we good? Okay, I survived. Let's pray. God, thank you for your, that your word is true. And Lord, I'm just amazed at the instructions you've given us. You've, you've made it so clear to follow and how we're to, how we're to lead the church and run the church and, and support the ministry. God, your, your book teaches us all about life and godliness. So thank you that you've given us these examples, Lord. And I just pray that you would continue to bless our church. And, and Lord, we thank you for your grace upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, folks. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.